is a giant that is around us and in many of us, ruining lives and relationships. Today, we'll be looking at ways to conquer this giant. This message is the sixth in the series, Gigantic. The message is entitled, A Giant Called Anger, Part 2. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets, and we're going to get ready to study God's Word. As you're doing that this morning, let me remind you just a couple of things, actually underscore some things that were just said to you a moment ago. Please remember, be great this coming Saturday as we reach out to our community. We really want to show them the love of God, and it's a great way for you to get, to plug, get plugged into the church and also really serving our community. Again, if you haven't been baptized, make sure you get baptized. Very, very important. Wednesday evening, you can do that. Uh, a couple of other announcements yeah, I want to ask you to help us with coming up on the 4th and 5th of May. Uh, that's just a couple of weekends away. James Brown from CBS Sports is going to be back with us again for that weekend. And I'm telling you, James is always a blessing. It's a great opportunity for you to be here and share in that event. Also bring some friends with you as a part of that. Uh, James has a great, great message to share with us. I was just interacting with him yesterday and just uh, excited about him coming. Also, on the 20th through the 22nd of May, encourage you to help us out. We have our annual pastors conference happening here at Church of the Redeemer United Pastors Network and if you know pastors in the area that would benefit from being a part of just a time of encouragement and strengthening in their lives would you help us by getting the word out United Pastors Network they can simply go to the website United Pastors website unitedpastorsnetwork.com is the website there and so uh, it'll help us to get that word out to many of the pastors in the area and even around the nation we have people coming from all over the not, not only the United States but from other places around the world as well. This morning we're going to wrap up a message that we started last weekend talking about a, a giant called anger. We're involved in a larger series entitled Gigantic, and the focus of this series really takes us back to one of the most familiar passages in all the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's a story of this young David, this young shepherd boy who takes on this Goliath, this giant. And this story has a lot of application for our lives in many different ways. I'm sure that you've had experiences in your own life where you felt like that you were dealing with some kind of enemy force that was against you, that was bigger than you were, and you took encouragement from the story of David and Goliath and how he conquered Goliath. And while many of the enemies that we encounter in life and the big things that come our way are the external circumstances that we encounter, many of the enemies that we face also are internal. They're things inside of us that we have to learn how to overcome and deal with. And all of us have giants inside our own heads, inside our lives, inside our hearts and minds that keep us from being everything that God wants us to be. And so as a part of this series, we're talking about how do you conquer these giants? How do you overcome the things that are on the inside of you that get in the way of you becoming Becoming the person God created you to be. And of course, the first part of the series, we spent actually four entire weeks talking about pain, internal pain, broken hearts, broken places inside of us, where unless those are healed, they will keep us from being fully functional as Christian believers. And then last weekend, we started talking about anger. I want to continue that theme today. I think most of us are aware of the fact that we're living in a very angry culture. Anger is all around us. Not only do we see it in the people uh, as we see stories on the news, but we also see it in the workplace. We see it on the, on the roadways. We sometimes see it, and obviously, in our own homes and our own lives. And part of what God wants us to do is learn how to conquer this thing called anger. 
And last week, I took a few moments to describe some foundational things about anger, and we shared with you three points anger is. Anger is something that's a real emotion in everybody's life. It is something that you have to learn to manage. If you don't learn to manage anger, anger will overcome you. It will overwhelm you. We talked about anger having bad consequences in your life, that if you don't learn to control this thing, it's going to create a lot of, a lot of problems for you. We talked about the fact that the more you focus on your anger, the bigger your anger will become. And today, I want to turn the corner and talk to you about how do you actually overcome anger in your life? How do you conquer it? What are the things that you need to do if you're going to get a handle on anger? And I'm going to share with you five things that will help you to conquer anger. Everybody ready? Here we go. Number one, to overcome anger, to conquer the giant called anger, you have to detect it. You have to become kind of a, a spiritual, emotional detective in your life and detect anger when it's present. In the last probably couple of decades, maybe even just the last decade, there's been a rising on the scene of uh, psychology and sociology and social psychology, an awareness of something called EQ. EQ is emotional quotient. Most of us are familiar with IQ, we understand intelligence quotient, but, but there's an EQ that's being measured by, uh, by business folks and oftentimes being one of the major indicators of success in people's lives, the capacity to read emotions, not just somebody else's emotions, but to read your own emotions, to be aware of what's going on inside of you and what's driving you and affecting you in your life. And the more you increase your emotional intelligence, the more capacity you have to be a positive impact upon other people. And so actually, even more significant than intelligence, oftentimes is emotional capacity, ability to read yourself and others. Another word for it would be self-awareness. And this comes into a very important play in, in a very important way in the dealing with anger in our lives. Because unless you are aware of your own anger, unless you can detect it, you'll never be able to deal with it. It's always amazing to meet people who, when you encounter them, they're, they're, you can see just by their countenance that they're angry. You can sense that anger about them, and you will ask them something like this, hey, you know, it seems like you're angry. Why are you angry? Their response is, I'm not angry. And the reason they respond that way is because they're not even aware of their own anger. They really do not believe they're angry. They might use words like, well, I'm just frustrated. Or I'm just disappointed. I'm just, they might fill in the word with something else, but they're, they don't have the capacity or willingness or awareness to be able to say, you know what, I'm, I'm really angry right now. I'm dealing with anger inside. And for you and I to be able to effectively deal with anger, we have to learn how to detect it. We have to understand our own patterns of anger. And everybody here, you have a pattern of your life. It's by reason of your personality. You deal with anger in your own individual way. Some people, when they get angry, they withdraw. They pull away and kind of go into isolation. Other people, when they get angry, man, they just explode. It starts spewing out of them. And it's, I mean, there's no question that they're angry. Other people like to do the, 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 the silent treatment. They go into this silent mode and, and they just don't say anything. Maybe for a day or two days or two weeks or two years or two decades whatever it might be, but they just sort of withdraw into themselves and their silent treatment is communicating something. It's called passive-aggressive behavior. And so these are different ways. Some are aggressive, some are passive-aggressive in the way they, they deal with anger. But the issue is, do you know how you deal with anger? 
Are you aware of your own patterns? Are you able to determine in your life when you are angry? Have you become a good detective for your own emotions? Now let me show you why this is important. Let me take you to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. We read this last week. We're going to read it again together. I'm going to ask all of us to read it aloud and loudly. I'm going to draw out one particular point here at this sec section of the message that will help us to understand why this is so valuable. Read with me. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, notice this. In your anger, do not don't sin. Now, think about this for a moment. How are you going to know that you're about to get into sin with your emotions? You're only going to be aware of that if you know when anger is arising in your life. See, many of us stumble headlong into sinful patterns in our relationships because, again, we're not even aware when anger is taking over. And so the emphasis here is be aware in your anger. Be aware of the fact when anger is beginning to arise in your life. Understand that it's there so it will not lead you into doing something that is wrong. It will lead you into something that is sinful. And it goes on to describe some of the consequences of that. So the first step, and you and I overcoming anger, what do we have to do? We've got to detect it. Number two, you have to dissect it. You have to dissect it. Anger is not a primary emotion. Anger is a secondary emotion, okay? Anger comes on the, on the heels of other things, primarily the way you think. Your thought processes lead you to your feelings. That's the true in any realm of your life. What you think will determine what you feel. It's true with anger. And anger shows up in your life because you are responding or reacting to something, okay? You're responding or reacting to, as we talked about last weekend, maybe some obstacle that's in your way, and we all see that in traffic. Somebody pulls in front of you, and they're blocking your way. They have, they're obstructing you from where you want to go and from what, what you want to do, and the anger rises. The anger is a response to the obstacle, okay? It's a secondary emotion to an event that has transpired. It might be when you're hurt. Your feelings get hurt, and out of that hurt of emotion will come anger inside. It might be as a result of some disappointment. You have, you're disappointed by something, and that disappointment, the way you process it, comes out in anger or some loss that you have in your life, and the way you respond to the loss is in an angry way. And a variety of reasons can be behind your anger, but the key, if you want to deal with anger, is you have to be able to understand, dissect, get down to the roots of that thing. Because until you get to the root of your anger, you'll never be able to effectively deal with it. See, the problem with most of us is we spend a lot of our time trying to chop off the fruit and never getting to the root. And the only way you can ever get up and get rid of stuff in your life is to make a decision, I'm, I'm going to go after the root. And you do this by answering a question simply like this. Once you've detected anger inside of you, stop and say, okay, why am I angry? I'm feeling angry because, and then you fill in the blank, I am feeling angry because... And then you identify because this happened and I'm processing it this way or this event transpired and you link it to a root situation. Roots are way more important to deal with than fruit because if you deal with the root, you'll always deal with the fruit, okay? Several years ago, my wife and I had, we wanted to change our front yard area and we had in the front portion of our yard, we had some junipers, low-growing junipers. I'm not sure if you've ever had any of those in your yard. I would re highly recommend that you never plant them, Okay. Because once they're there, they never want to leave, okay? They just like, they're just like bad people showing up at your house. They just never want to leave, okay? 
And so we had these junipers in the front yard. My wife says, we're going to make something different out of that, and we need to get rid of those junipers. And so, okay, honey, I'll be glad to get rid of them. And so I would go, I would go out and take my shears and chop those things down, and, 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 and year by year I would chop them closer to the ground, and finally I got to the place, and I was like, chopping, I was rebuking them in Jesus' name, okay? I figured, you know, that you know, Jesus rebuked a fig tree, I'm going after the junipers, okay? So I'm rebuking these things, but every time I'd chop them down, cut them down even to the, right to the ground, thinking I had certainly kill this thing. There's no way this thing will ever be able to resurrect from this situation. I come out a few weeks later, here's this little green thing popping up again. I'm like, this is crazy. How will I ever get rid of the junipers? And then I realize, you know how you get rid of them? You get a big, you get a shovel and an axe and a pick and you get down to the root and you find the tap root and you chop that thing away. And that's what I did. I'm telling you, I exorcised some junipers from our house, okay? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay. And they've never come back again. You know why? Because I got to the root. And there are many of you that you have anger in your life and that anger is a fruit. But you need to stop and say, wait a minute, what's the root of this thing? Am I carrying around inside of me some disappointment that I've never dealt with? Am I holding on to some losses that I've never really processed the right way? What is, what's behind all this anger and what's driving this thing? And ask God by His grace to help you to get down to the root. The Bible talks to us about roots. Notice Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 15. Let's read this one together as well. Here we go. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Notice this, no bitter, what's the word there? Root. The writer of Hebrews says you've got to make sure you don't do anything that causes you to fall short of God's grace. Now, there's not a lack of grace from God. The shortfall is not with God. The shortfall is with us. The fact that we block sometimes the flow of His grace into our lives because we let other things get inside of us. It's like if I had this, this, this bottle here, I can't put anything else in it because it's already full, okay? And when, when you and I are filled up with the wrong things, even though God wants to pour His grace down upon us, there's no room in our lives for God because we've filled ourselves up with other stuff. And the Bible says, be careful that you don't fall short of receiving more of God's grace in your life by allowing there to be a root of bitterness in you that you filled yourself up with a, with a bitter root, and what that does is it actually is troubling you. That, that's the consequence, see? That's, not, that's, not the, that's the fruit. That's not the root. It's the root is the bitterness. The fruit is the trouble that it's causing you and the defilement that it causes other people. If you don't get to the root, you will never get rid of the fruit. And so to deal with anger, you have to detect it, and then second of all, you have to... Dissect it. Dissect it means get, get down to the root. Number three, you must deal with it. Anger doesn't go away with analysis, okay? You can analyze your anger all day long. You can actually know what the root is. I know I'm angry because, but just your analysis is not going to cure the problem. It takes more than that. Analysis is preparatory for action, okay? When you analyze it, it should be for the purpose of now I'm going to take some action to do what needs to be done with this anger. It prepares you to do something with it. Once you know where it's coming from, you can address it. Notice again Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. I'm going to read this for you, so listen as I read. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Notice that. It's a very immediate response, right? 
And do not give the devil a foothold. Here the Bible says, when you have, you've detected, you have some anger going on, and you don't want to fall into sin, you've analyzed it, you know that it's there, you know what's causing it, then the Bible says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. That is, get busy dealing with it. That is, go after it. Do something that will address it at its root. Now, notice it says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. That's an immediate now. Deal with it, not later, but deal with it when? Right now. Now, I know that when you read that, you might think, oh my goodness, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. I'm going to be up for a really long time, okay? (laughs) And while I think there's some application of that, that when you and I get angry during a day, it's important before we go to bed at night, we try to resolve those kinds of things, especially relational kinds of things. But I think there's more than that here. There's a principle. The principle is immediacy. Don't let this thing sit in your life. Make it a priority to get rid of it. And that's where some of us have gone wrong. We've got the anger. We even know that it's there. You might even know where it's coming from. But you haven't made it a priority to deal with it. You haven't gone after it immediately. And the Bible says that when you fail to do that, you give the devil a foothold. The choice, notice this, the choice, listen closely to this. The choice of giving the devil a foothold in your life is yours. There's an implied pronoun there. And you, implied, do not give the devil a foothold. And so we make a choice. When we hold on to anger, we're actually opening up our lives to the adversary. So let me share with you very quickly, how do you deal with anger the right way? How do you, once you've discovered the roots, how do you go after it? And quickly here are five things. First of all, you have to accept responsibility for it. Circle the word responsibility on your notes. Nothing good ever comes out of blaming or resenting or shaming other people or hating somebody else. You'll never deal with your anger as long as your focus is on somebody else rather than on yourself. See, that means when you accept responsibility for your anger, it means you stop saying stuff like this. You make me angry. Because when you say you make me angry, what you just did is you took the responsibility of your anger and where did you place it? over on somebody else. I wouldn't be angry if it were not for you. You are the problem. I'm not the problem. You are. But owning your anger says, I feel angry. Not you make me angry. I feel angry. That's owning your own anger. Why is that important? Because you can't deal with anybody else. The only person in the world that you can deal with is you, okay? And you need God's grace to be able to deal with you. And you need to come to that place of realizing nobody in the whole world can make you anything. You and I choose. God gave us this free will and this free choice. And he says, now, if you want to be liberated in your life, you have to learn how to accept responsibility for your life. Let me explain what responsibility is. Very simple, okay? Responsibility is the ability to choose your response. That's all it is, okay? Responsibility is the ability to choose what your response is going to be in any situation. And so the Bible says, accept responsibility, own this thing for yourself. Second of all, expose your angry thoughts and feelings to truth. Much of what we uh, are angry about, not even true. We let untruths develop in our minds. Well, that person thinks this about me, so I'm angry at them. That person feels that way toward me. Well, I'm angry toward them. I'm not sure why they treat me this way. And you begin to create all kind of imaginations in your mind in terms of this. And so what you want to do is expose your angry thoughts and feelings to truth. And I'll come back to that one in just a moment. And then choose to, what's the word again? Forgive. This is extremely important because unforgiveness 
keeps you as a prisoner of anger and bitterness. It will hold, it, it really, folks, listen, unforgiveness does more to hurt you than anybody else. It really does, okay? See, we think when we're, when we're mad at somebody and angry at them for what they've done, the idea is we're going to make them pay for what they did to us. But listen, you're actually making yourself pay because it's eating you up on the inside. It's, I mean, you, you'll, you'll never be satisfied. They'll never be able to do enough to make you happy more than likely. And no matter what their apology is, until you choose to forgive, they'll never be released and you will never be released. And so the important thing to remember is that forgiveness is the pathway to your own healing. Choosing to say, you know what, yes, that person did X, Y, and Z, and yes, it did hurt, and yes, I feel angry, but I am making the choice right now because I want to be responsible. I'm owning what God has asked me to own, and I'm saying I choose to forgive them. Think about Jesus for a moment. When he was hanging on the cross after being beaten, scourged, spit upon, abused in every way you can imagine, as he's hanging on the cross, he says seven phrases. One, I, mean, I would say seven phrases on the cross, that, that's a fairly sh- small number of words to speak. And so each one of those phrases have significance, don't they? In fact, one of, the day, one of these days ahead, I'm going to do a whole teaching on the seven last sayings of Jesus. I think it's just tremendous truth just in those things. But what was one of those sayings on the cross? What did Jesus say when he was hanging there? Father, forgive them. They don't really understand. They don't even grasp what they're doing. And most of the time in life, people will treat the way people treat you. They don't even get, they don't understand how deeply it hurt you. They don't understand that kind of stuff. And so the choice that we make is we choose to do what? Forgive. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is letting somebody off the hook. You say, well, pastor, that's not fair. I didn't say it was fair. I said it's grace, okay? That's what it is. Grace is giving to someone what they don't deserve. It's giving them a blessing they don't deserve. That's what you and I get every day that we wake up. God says, your grace is poured out. My grace is poured out on you. Did you deserve it? Absolutely not. Have you ever deserved to be forgiven of any sin you've ever committed? Of course not. You don't deserve, nor do I deserve to be forgiven. But God pours out grace on us. And he says, now, I just want you to do for other people what I do to you and leave the consequences with me. I know how, you know, God knows how to deal with people better than you do. God knows how to establish justice better than you do. God is the God of justice, okay? And so when we keep our spirit clean and we walk in forgiveness, there are tremendous benefits that come. Notice Matthew 18, verse 35. This is how my Father, Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Don't have time to go into the whole parable there in Matthew chapter 18. But what I want you to see is that Jesus requires us to forgive from the heart. Not just from the head, but from the heart. That means you let go. You release that person and that offense to God. And then number four, you adjust your thinking. We have the ability, God gave us the ability to, to adjust our thinking. Your thoughts don't have to rule your life. You can choose what you think. But you have to be proactive in it. You have to, to, to step up to the plate and say, this is what I'm going to believe. This is what I'm going to think. This is how I'm going to think. And let me give you an example of this, how, how angry thoughts happen. Let's say you're driving along 270 or 495 and somebody pulls in front of you and they are like, you're, you're on your way to work and you've been scooting along really nicely and then this slowpoke gets in front of you and the immediate feeling you have is anger. Why am I angry? Because look, this guy's blocking me. He's in my way. He's an obstacle to my life right now, okay? And then your objective is to get, get back at him. I'm going to get around this guy, okay? Whatever it is that you do. 
Now, let me tell you why you start getting angry. Because what happens is you start thinking about the event that just happened. And what you think is, this is horrible. The way this guy just treated me is disrespectful. And these kind of thoughts begin to rise inside of you. And the thoughts toward this person begin to produce the emotional response that you have, okay? So it's not the anger that's guiding the, uh, the, 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 that's the, that's the lead, it's the thought that's bringing about the result of the anger. And let me show you how you change that. The way you change that is you change the way you think. Instead of saying, this is horrible, I hate this, this is the worst thing that could happen to me this morning, you stop and say, you know what, this is really not all that bad. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually take a moment and praise God here because it's probably good that I slowed down because, you know, maybe God's helping me to avoid an accident here. Maybe this person is God's way of helping. You start with an attitude of worship and praise. Guess what happens? Suddenly the emotions that were starting to rise, the volcano that was about to explode in you, becomes dissipated because you've changed the way you think. See, in our life, if we can change just our thought process toward people... See, most people aren't out to get you. Most people aren't out to desperately hurt you and disrespect you. It's just life, okay? And when we think badly about people and badly about life, yeah, it's no, 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 no surprise we're going to have all these strange and bad emotions inside. Now, the Bible goes right to the heart of this. Notice Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. Is this helping anybody today? Anybody with me? Okay. All right, about five of you are. That's great. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, read the rest with me, think about such things. See, the Bible says, look, here's your guide. If you want to experience blessing in your life, change the way you think. Only think about things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Think about these things. And it goes on to say in verse number nine, if you practice these things, if you live like this, the God of peace will be with you. That's the best way to maintain peace in your life is to get your head in the right place. And then the last one here, how do you deal with anger? You do good. You do good. You turn your energy toward productive attitudes and actions. See, energy, uh, anger is energy, okay? And usually it's energy that gets directed toward people primarily. But what you do is you take this energy and you, you now turn it toward something that's productive. Notice Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Here's how it works, Okay. The next time, let's go back to the traffic analogy because it's probably something everybody can relate to. You're, you're, you're driving along, somebody pulls in front of you, and you feel this disrespected thing. They're getting in my way. Why did they do this? The anger's starting to rise. And you start, wait a minute, i got to get a hold of this. You start thinking about this thing in a different way, thinking in a, in a more godly way about it. Start praising God and start thinking, you know what? I'm not going to be overcome by evil, but I'm going to overcome evil with good. Here's what you do. Instead of getting all upset at the guy that pulled in front of you, lay back and let about four more cars get in front of you. (laughs) Just bless somebody, okay? Now you say, well, Pastor, that's going to really mess me up. You know what? No. In the grand scheme of things, it's probably going to make the difference of two, three minutes from your arrival, okay? 
Have you ever measured that before? My wife has helped me measure that before. Okay. <laughs> Honey, it's probably only going to be like three minutes. What's the difference? And you measure, it's about true, okay? But you just lay back and say, okay, you know what? God bless you. you just Come on, just everybody come on in, okay? Just come on, just come on, everybody come on. I'm just in a good mood today. Or you go to the grocery store, okay? Oh, I'm talking to the women now for sure, okay? <laughs> and you got, you got like your four items, right? And you go to the line that says four or five items or less, okay? You're like feeling really good and righteous because you have four and the sign says five. And somebody jumps in front of you. Just about the time you're getting to the counter, somebody zips in in front of you and they've got like 25 items, okay? Anybody know what you think during times like that? Okay. I know you think. Now, you don't say anything because you're a Christian. Okay, I understand that. I can't say anything because I'm a pastor. Okay, I have to say. Okay. okay. But the next time that happens, what do you do? Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You just step back and say, hey, come on, everybody, come on over here. Come on, just everybody. This is a great line. This is the greatest line. Come on, God bless you. Now, the beautiful thing when they come, you get to scoot out to the other lines where they used to be, okay? So that's the way it works. Okay? Are you with me? Okay. Not on the last part, but on the part that overcoming evil is good, okay? All right. Number four, fourth thing in overcoming, uh, overcoming anger in your life is to avoid angry people. One of the best ways to keep anger out of your life is to stay away from people that have high levels, high degrees, high dimensions of anger. I want to talk especially to all the young people just for a moment, all the young adults here. There, there are three decisions, decision points in your life that I would say are the most critical decision points you will have ever in your life. You can boil your life down to these three things, I think. Number one, your relationship with God, what you decide to do with God, will you give your life to God. And every young person here today, I want to encourage you to make the decision. You'll never go wrong by giving your life to God. He has a plan for your life. He wants you to serve Him. He, he, he's, he's the one you can trust to lead you into the life that you need to experience. The second major choice you'll make in your life is a choice of your, of your husband or your wife, okay? And so getting married, who you choose to spend the rest of your life with, that is a critical decision that you need wisdom and guidance and godly understanding of to make a good decision. The third decision that you will make above your profession, above anything else, okay, the third most important decision that you will make in your life is an ongoing decision. And by the way, this is not just for young people, it's for all of us, is the decision that you make regarding the people you will hang around with. There's nothing more important in your life than the people you choose to hang out with. And let me encourage hang out with godly people, hang out with healthy people, hang out with people who understand a relationship with God, hang out with people who understand what it means to be planted in a local church, hang out with people that are growing in their faith, have some criteria for the kind of people you're going to hang out with. And when people don't fit that criteria, you say, you know what, I'm just, I might know them as an associate, as an acquaintance, but I'm not going to make them a part of my life. So you can choose your friends, amen? Can't choose your relatives, but you can choose your friends, okay? You can choose your friends. It's a choice that you make with your life, all right? Now, it's extremely important when you're using criteria for who will be my friend, who am I going to let into my life, that one of the criteria be related to their anger quotient. 
Read with me Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Let's read it aloud and loudly together. Here we go. Don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. If you hang around with people who are angry, you're going to become angry too. That's just what the Bible says. It's just going to happen. It goes for any influence you allow in your life. That's why I need to be careful not only with the people you associate with, but the television programs you watch, the music you listen to, all the media of your life, because you're letting something in that's going to have an effect upon you at some level. So quick question, two quick questions for you. Who, are, who is infecting you right now with anger? Or second of all, who are you infecting with anger? Avoid angry people. The last thing, and I've got three minutes to cover this. I'm going to do my best at it. Become offenseless. Become offenseless. What I mean by that is to get to the place in your life where you just, you, you are, you, you're, you're so much in love with God and you're loving people so much that you just don't get offended easily. In fact, you just don't get offended at all. Because you're so filled up with the love of God that there's no room for an offense to find place inside of you. It protects you. It's like a protective covering from anger. Listen to Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. That is, put on this as a garment. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a, has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And then 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, describes to us what love is all about. Now, I can't ever read this passage without being convicted. Because this, this tells us how we're supposed to live. And it also shows us our shortfall many times. Love is patient. How many of you are already done? Right there, okay? Okay. Don't, don't even go any further, Pastor. Okay. <laughs> it's over with for me, all right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Notice that it's not easily what? Angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. My goodness. How many of you have like like records of wrongs going back 40 years, okay? You've got like file cabinets of records of wrongs in your brain, okay? Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And then I love Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. The Bible says if, you're, if you get to the place where you're filled up, you love the law of God, you love the Word of God, and you fill yourself up with God's Word, first of all, it's going to have great peace inside of you. Okay? You'll, you'll, you'll experience great peace. And then out of that great peace, nothing shall offend you. You know what? When you've got peace on the inside, you're going to have peace on the outside. Amen? When you're at peace on the inside, you create peace. So you can't be a peacemaker until you're a peace person. You have to have peace on, in your heart. So today, what do we learn? We learned that anger can be conquered. Aren't you glad about that? You've got to detect it. You've got to dissect it. You have to deal with it. You must make a choice to avoid angry people in your life. You have to make a choice to grow in the love of God so that you can become offenseless. Let's bow our hearts together in prayer today. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for speaking to us today. We ask that you'll take these words and help us to live them out, God. We can't do it 
without your power. And Lord, while we've studied today and we've, we've seen what the Scripture says about living, Lord, a, a, a life that's, that's less angry than we've lived before, an offenseless life, I pray that you would come and infuse us with the power of God so that we can live this out daily for your glory and for your honor. Root this stuff out of our lives, God, so we can be more like Jesus, we pray in your name. Well, perhaps as you've been watching today's broadcast, something's been happening inside of you. Maybe you felt a stirring in your heart, something that's reminded you that you need to get some things right in your life with God. The first way we start in that journey with God is to open our hearts to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of our life, to turn all of our life over to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. It's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Would you bow your head with me and pray this prayer? Say these words, say, Jesus, just acknowledge that He is Lord. Say, Jesus... I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all of my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, I want to encourage you with the promise of God's Word that says when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there's salvation that's brought to our lives. He changes us on the inside, from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you, you need to take some next steps. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word, to make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it, to spend some time each day in prayer. We have some resources available for you through our website. We'd love to provide those for you. Just let us know that you need those and we'll make sure that we get them into your hands. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.